Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Dusty Baker's gonna lose another World Series. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Dan ain't happy about that. Dan ain't happy about that. Oh no, oh no. This is the best song I've done for the Open yet. (laughs) Dusty, man, I love him. He's my favorite manager. I don't like the Astros, but that just happens to be where he's at now. So I really wanted him. And I thought when they overcome that 4-0 deficit the other night in Game 5, and going back home for the final two, I thought, man, they've got a shot. But what the hell is happening tonight? Six to nothing. It's just—it's weird. Maybe there's some kind of comeback in them. I don't know. And and you're also upset because your state is going uh, Republican tonight in the election. Well, it's not my state. It's Virginia. West Virginia has already gone that way. But <laughs> yeah, Terry McAuliffe in Virginia apparently has been beaten. I've been uh, kind of chained to a studio running a high school football game, which is why I had to start later, unfortunately. Uh, one of those, it was, see, this game was supposed to have happened in, in September, but because of COVID, it was canceled. So they had to make it up, you know, and that's why it was tonight. Mm. Uh, uh, but yeah, I've seen, uh, according to Jink Uger, uh, Uger from the Young Turks, it looks like McAuliffe has been defeated. 
I'm not surprised, you know, he's so much associated with Hillary Clinton and uh, the American uh, uh, citizenry is, is fed up with corporate Democrats. And so if you're going to uh, vote for a political party that supports corporations, then why not vote for Republicans? At least they're going to keep your taxes down. Yeah, but it just feels like, and this is the only thing I want to say political is I don't want to piss anybody off that's following us that happens to be a Republican. It feels like to me, like, for example, I don't smoke weed, as you know, but I don't have a problem with you smoking I weed. do. I, <laughs> well, my opinion does not have to be the law. So I don't know, understand why you can't be pro-life uh, pro and also just get the fuck out of everyone else's way. Like, I don't want to stop you from smoking weed. Mm -hmm. I, I want weed to be legalized. I advocate that despite the fact that I don't smoke it. So why can't you be pro-life and, and not advocate things like Texas and what will inevitably be Virginia with some crazy laws starting 2022? But that's my soapbox. I'm done. Uh, I can get up on it again and talk about Matt Nagy. <laughs> well, um, that is one of the topics. Another one of the topics is Ryan Pace. Another one of the topics is going to be this defense. I'm a little bit worried that what we saw uh, Sunday against the 49ers could be what we're going to be seeing the majority of the back half of the season because of injuries yeah. to the defense, because uh, people are, may, might be trying to already figuring out what Sean Desai is doing. It's just a concern. It's just a valid I, I am really bothered that Desai, one of the things that you and I and anyone else that follows the team seem to appreciate about him in comparison with Chuck Pagano was that he was bringing pressure. Mm -hmm. And even if it wasn't like, oh, we got one guy dominating, you know, it wasn't this case. Maybe it was scheme that was getting them uh, to the quarterback. But it just felt like the Bears, even if they couldn't sustain that pace, were at least getting to the quarterback and, and creating some havoc. And the last two weeks, it feels like they haven't even tried. And I granted your D line has had two terrible games, but there's, I didn't see any blitzing or anything from the linebackers to, or even the secondary, like blitz a fucking safety occasionally. Yeah. You know, something, especially when San Francisco is like, you know, hitting like seemingly like 12 yards a clip running the ball in the second half, fucking blitz and do a run blitz ever. It just seems like the defense has gotten really conservative the last two weeks. And yeah. uh, it feels like Chuck Pagano's calling the D again. Now, I think a lot of it this past week was the uh, absence of Khalil Mack in terms of a pass rush and blitzing and stuff. And, uh, you know, so, uh, a lot of times they will scheme for the quarterback. By the way, I got up on the screen, Zach Sullivan, saying he, that he's a lifelong Braves fan. Zero World Series wins since he enlisted in the Army on November 7th in 1996. And he retired oh, wow. just two days ago. On the, the 31st. So he gets it as soon as he retires. <laughs> but to be fair to Zach, and we, of course, appreciate, not in a cliche sense, but of course, my dad was military too. Mm -hmm. We appreciate his service and, and his career. But he did at least had the, the 96 Braves went to the World Series, had a 2 nothing lead on the Yankees and lost, and then they were swept in 99. But the point is, during his tenure, they did go two times. Mm -hmm. uh, they just happened to lose to the Yankees. But yep. uh, I hope no disrespect to him. I hope there's some kind of goddamn miracle and Dusty comes back and wins it. But let, let me, all I can say to you is the Angels in 02 when Dusty was in San Francisco were down five runs 
in like the seventh or eighth inning of game seven and come back to win. Well, so, maybe, maybe may, if Dusty can get the game seven, a leadoff single here in the sixth inning. So maybe we'll see what happens. Oh, that's for the Braves. Sorry. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> sorry about that. PJ <laughs> says that one week ago we were without Quinn and then this following week we were without Mac. So that's an even better explanation than mine. I forgot, of course, that Quinn had missed the previous game. So I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, this team, um, I, you've been critical and, and at times justifiably so with Khalil Mack. But the one thing that we tend to overlook is just the presence of Mack on the field does make other players better. So, you know, Mack is, is not out there on Sunday. And what happens to everybody else disappears just disappears. And that's so baffling because yeah. Gibson had, had done well in relief mm -hmm. at times for Mac. Right. When Mac wasn't on the field, Gibson was spelling him when Mac was getting a breather or was having foot problems, whatever. Even he's on the sideline, Gibson was doing well. Right. And like, I don't know what's happened to Nichols. Mm -hmm. uh, Akeem is probably still hurt and, and going and Eddie Goldman just hasn't got going since he's come back. Mm. I, I, See, I even when Mac leaves the field, there is a residual effect. Now, when I played football, I was playing tackle football with no pads at Humble Park. When we tackle somebody, they might cut themselves on the broken glass from the beer bottle. So I, ne I never played organized football with pads on, in high school or anything like that. So I'm just, I'm just talking to, about. From from being a student of the game, Sandlot football, I got you. Sandlot gotcha. and 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 a student of the game. So, w when the best player on the other team is not on the field, you're still kind of hurting. You're still kind of thinking. You're still kind of holy shit, man. These motherfuckers got this great fucker over there, and, and I'm glad that he's sitting out this player too. And but that still gives that guy that comes in in his place kind of an advantage, kind of some mojo, some some bravado, some some momentum. And so I, I think even when Mac is in the game, but taking a breather, I think his, his impact is still there sometimes. I'm not saying all the times, but sometimes it is depending on the opponent, depending on the personnel, depending on coaches. There's so many fucking factors. I can't disagree with that. I, I just thought, I mean, I expected a little bit of a drop off and I just thought that they were better than, especially what they've done the last two weeks. And for, for the bears to, to come back and, and have a game where the offense, you can't say they were clicking, but it, I think it was Fields' best performance to date, although he showed so much tenacity and toughness against the Raiders. But it just seemed like he was, you know, starting to, to click a little bit on offense and feeling it and making good impressive throws on the run, like to the one to Jesse James in the end zone. And... It's just like, man, so we got this. It's like the color thing again. When the offense is clicking, suddenly the defense just shits the bed. Yeah. Why is that? I mean, like, the after, I know, granted, I know uh, Santos missed the extra point, but there was a bad snap on that. So I'm not going to blame Cairo on that, especially considering that's his mess with the Bears. He had another time that wasn't his fault. I mean, hell, you allow a pass rush. Uh, but for the most part, he's been automatic. So. After that miss, the Bears are down one. one and what do they do? They just let them go straight down the field again. That was a fucking backbreaker right there. That, the it's game was over. unbelievable. Yeah.
game was over because I, while Justin Fields had a good game, there was definitely some progression. I'm super excited about what he can do in the second half of the season after the break. And then, fuck, 2022, 2023, and out to the future, this guy's going to be fucking phenomenal. But I knew he wasn't going to create some major comeback and score three touchdowns this past Sunday. I was looking for a couple of touchdowns, and he gave us that. He gave us a beautiful pass to Jesse James. He gave us a fucking phenomenal, maybe the play of the year in the NFL, right. that touchdown run. Although I, I was looking at the replay again today from the All-22. He had, when, as soon as he started cutting back to the left, he had Darnell Mooney wide the fuck open. Mooney's dropped three passes the last two weeks. He was probably afraid to try it. <laughs> I think he the was one running, that running for his life. His game should have been caught too. Which one? The interception. Mooney oh. should have caught that one. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're absolutely. I mean, it was Hail Mary time. So, uh, but it's you're right. He should have caught hands. Catch the ball, dude. Do you think, uh, go. <laughs> People in the in the chat room want to know what your thoughts are on Cole Komet. Do you think that one in the end zone should be caught by Cole Komet? Yes. <laughs> the, yes, I do. I think Komet is if you I put it this way, I think Jimmy Graham, for all the hate that he gets from Bears fans, he, he makes that catch if he's in there. And Komet's supposed to be the number one tight end. Your number one tight end should catch that ball. I, I it just he's always dropping passes or falling down or fumbling. It's like this dude has done nothing yet. Nothing. No, 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 no. No, he's blocked okay, but yeah, he was a fucking second-round pick. But Okay, okay. Greg Gabriel tells me Monday, although it, it takes three years for 99% of the successful tight ends to start to get it. There are very rarely a Travis Kelsey or um, – What's the name of the other top tight end right now? Right now, the guy that went to the Cardinals that was in Philly. Yeah, was it Ertz? No, yeah, no, no. I wasn't thinking Zach Ertz. Uh, Kelsey and um, and uh, Kittle, Kittle. Yeah, George Kittle. Those, those are pass catching tight ends who immediately make an impact because they're pass catching tight ends. Their blocking isn't particularly great, although. I should say at the beginning in their rookie season, it's gotten better over time. But other than that, you know, uh, Kyle, uh, Cole Komet is on path to have a Kyle Rudolph type of career, a, a high tier two tight end. Uh, and, I hope you're right. Yeah. I really do. I mean, his blocking grades are pretty good. And, and, and like Greg, Greg said, it takes three years because you got that position is so difficult to play in the NFL. There's so much involved in it. So I, I think he's going to be okay. I hope you're right. I mean, like I said, I'm rooting for him because he's a bear. Yeah. Laz says, Komet didn't drop this many passes at Notre Dame. He's right. Laz is right. But the one knock on, on him, and I remember when Bellissimo was here at the barroom and he did some thorough scouting on, on Kokomet, he said – his problem was in, in running precise pass routes. And so I know that's something that the Bears have been working on. The biggest problem I've seen is just his hands. You know, he, he he's not 100% reliable when a pass is thrown at him, and he's fumbled a couple of times in his in his short career. He's always falling down, too. <laughs> yes, Change well, your cleats. Like, what the fuck, dude? I think he runs with wild abandon, and then that's another thing. The whole Soldier Field turf thing all of a sudden has uh, become that's a, a, good point, a problem right? again. What the fuck? This is supposed, supposed to be solved. I thought it was done with. But no. <laughs> hey, um. It, this was a backbreaking loss, though. Yes. I mean, the difference between four and four and three and five it's is huge. palpable. Yes. I mean, it's going to be tough even to be the seventh seed now. You're going to have to go to Pittsburgh and win. 
Pittsburgh just beat Cleveland mm-hmm. uh, on the road. And I know Big Ben is is harder. I mean, is is easier to defend mm-hmm. uh, at this juncture. But still, he's a fucking horse. I have like if Eddie Jackson would somehow be back, which he probably won't be because the hammy. Mm-hmm. Like I could see Big Ben running over him mm-hmm. yep. or anybody else in the secondary. And if Mac's not going to play either, like, oh my god, dude, I don't know. I just I feel like I wish I didn't have tickets to this game. Yeah, I was going to ask you who you taking to the game. Uh, my lifelong friend, uh, his name's Sylvester. I uh, actually, when we first started doing this, uh, we. I, you, I passed him off as a potential guy that maybe we could get on here. Right. Um, yeah, he's a Denver fan. He's always been a Broncos fan, uh, but he 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 lives four hours away from me now. He had he took a job upstate, uh-huh. but it's right right by Pittsburgh. So, oh, cool. uh, yeah, I'm gonna take him to the game, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun in that regard. I want to tell you real quick on my birthday on Sunday, the power went out. So yeah. I had to go to Buffalo Wild Wings, and at first I was surrounded by Browns fans. They were watching that Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. They were just being – like, I'm starting to not like the Browns just because of their fans. Like, they started this let's go Brownies chant. When did the Browns become the Brownies? And I'm so glad I'm not a Browns fan just because I don't want to be a Brownie, which sounds so <laughs> fucking like Brownie. What the fuck? And so the Browns <laughs> fans, like, just get downtrodden, and they leave. And then suddenly I'm sitting beside a San Francisco fan who's come over to my TV because of the Bears game. And then that's when everything turned. As soon as that guy sat down is when the screen pass happened to Debold Samuel and then he's gone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this guy saw nothing negative. As soon as he sat down, the Bears started losing. That's unbelievable. It is like how things like that happen. Yeah. God damn it, man. Hey, um, why don't we, since we've got kind of an abbreviated show, uh, We've got about 80 minutes left. Let's do the media thing because there's a lot of football to talk about. But I don't want to be redundant with what the selections are that you chose. So why don't you set this up and then we'll roll this. I tried to go with a couple of different sources this week. I went with Carmen and Yurko. I went with the – what's Dan Bernstein and the lady? Uh, 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 Bernstein and Romani. Yeah, I got her on there, and I've got I, – I did put, put Boomer Esiason on again mm-hmm. so that you have, like, a national take. I've got a little Hogan Johns this week because I didn't have them the week before. And I put that um, – ah, uh, shit. The Parkins guy. Parkins uh, Dan, and, Dan Parkins and uh, 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 Spiegel. Yeah, yeah. So Matt Spiegel. That, that's pretty much what I, I, love I did that this show. week. And I got a small section of uh, – of WGN with Hampton and Ed Brownwich, Ed just going off, which I think you'll enjoy. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Can't wait to hear this. Let me get it rid of this picture here and do this. Fake one way of field stumbling. Do it. 
The Bears get outscored 18-6 to in the fourth quarter. The Niners, as we talked about, had four possessions in the second half. The fifth is the kneel down after the, the interception yeah. game was over. After the pick. Four possessions, three touchdowns, two of them 75 yards and a field goal. And as Waddle was pointing out on the text chain, that's a coach that knows how to make some halftime adjustments. That's a coaching staff that looked at Eddie Jackson being out of the game and said, ooh, we can attack the middle of the field right now. Zero sacks, zero quarterback hits for the Bears, too. So we've seen the last two weeks when they haven't been together. Right. Quinn missed last week. Mac was ailing anyway. Mac misses this week. Quinn is just getting back from COVID. And they. Hold on a second. I'm feeling really bad, Dan. Okay. I mispronounced Layla's name. It's Rahimi. Okay. I've been correct. I couldn't remember it. So I'm I'm the one that should feel bad. No, no. I mean, I I listen to her almost every day for at least 10, 15 minutes. And and so I should know her name. I apologize. And uh, we resume. They they, They didn't touch Tom Brady. And they didn't touch Jimmy Garoppolo. If I could get something for Akeem Hicks, I'd move him. But you guys heard Justin Fields in the post game yesterday, right? Yeah. When he was asked about, should I play that? Yes, Which like I think is this is on? look. It's it's the first one where he was asked, did Nagy's absence impact? And yeah. but here's the question: When you listen to this, is that you know he knows he's the franchise, right? For like he, he Justin Fields is smart. You know he knows he's the franchise. This answer tells you all you need to know about how he feels about Nagy's future. Did Nagy's absence impact you? You can't let that impact your day. Um, can't focus on that. I mean, he's not going to help us win. If you're staying at home, you got to focus on who's here and um, focus on the now. So, I mean, of course, uh, it was tough not having Coach. He texted me this morning. I texted him back. And, um, you know, he texted me after the game. I didn't see what he said yet. But uh, it was it was pretty much the same thing for me. Um, but... I mean, you, you can't focus on that. You just got to focus on the, the, the game at hand. Remember what he said when Laser started calling plays? I was like, oh, he's great. He's calm and he's, yeah. <laughs> he's, I mean, I don't know if he's doing it intentionally, but he's know. not giving him a ringing endorsement to be no, on that sideline. He's really not. Hello? Do you want to watch a football game? Sure. What team would you like to watch? The Arizona Cardinals. What about you? The Chicago Bears. <laughs> And Fox busting our balls. Fox did a little funny thing yesterday during the pregame show for Halloween, and that's how they start, where it's the scene from Scream, and it's Drew Barrymore's popping the popcorn and want to watch a football game. Yeah, I want to watch Kyler Murray in Arizona. How about the Bears? That's the horror of it all. Hey, busting our balls. Yeah, I get it. Especially offensively. Uh, Yeah. And then defensively, uh, they were kind of in tune to being horrific yesterday. That's, That's our team. That's Fox making fun of our team. Go Bears! It sucks when the defense lets you down, when other things are going on and the offense looks like representative NFL offense. I almost thought that this game was in a Halloween costume where it was disguised as something other than a Bears game for a while before eventually taking its mask off. Yeah, it was was weird because we weren't used to the offense having some rhythm, uh, Justin Fields running and having some really good throws. But watching Elijah Mitchell get stopped at the four and a half yard line yep. and, and get pushed in as this is as if this is a college football game against a Bears defense at home, the Khalil Mack thing is a you you have to mention it. You have to point out that he was not playing. The the difference between preparing for Travis Gibson and preparing for Khalil Mack, like I can't even put into words 
the difference in that in the, those two players for Kyle Shanahan this week. I don't know the exact stat, but they were kind of in the second half of the league in terms of pressures. Like they weren't necessarily putting a lot of pressure on. They were just gained home a lot. And it was a rate that we knew that they could not sustain. Uh, like Khalil Mack was in the 50s or 60s in the league in pressures, yet he had six sacks. So like there was this disconnect there. I thought Bilal Nichols was one of those guys, one of those next-step guys. We talked about him that way, and we saw splash plays from him, even on some bad days. We saw him involved and aware and active and making plays on the ball behind, just beyond, or at the line of scrimmage. That's not happening this year. Yeah, it's a great point, Dan. And you know, if I went, if I go back through his numbers, I think I'm going to find a lot of good run stops this season. I think he's still doing a decent job, or at least prior to the past two weeks, had been doing a decent job with that. You know, nobody played well really outside a little bit of maybe Roquan Smith the past two weeks. But he's somebody that inside that building sky high expectations for him this season like they really thought and I remember thinking in August that he might get a contract extension before the season even started they also depend a lot on Eddie Goldman he was brought up how many times by Sean Desai we couldn't find the dude for a while and how do we assess him so far through the season especially given the game yesterday yeah Leela he had that one stab I want to say it was on the third and short yesterday and I remember thinking that this might be the first time we're really shouting out Eddie Goldman so far this season. If this team's going to move forward, you know, I always think about this when we talk about teams in town that rebuild, right? When you looked at the White Sox a few years ago, you think, all right, who are our core guys that we're going to build around? Eddie Goldman, I don't think is in that category anymore. And he would have been you know, almost every year leading up to now, but I just don't think you've necessarily seen that when you consider his contract. I don't think you can kind of include him with some of those players. Go Bears! Mooney had one drop last year, and he's had three in the last two weeks. Yeah. I don't another know if you count that last one as a drop or not, but that went right through his hands yeah, and then ended up being an interception. Yeah, another interception off his hands. But at least, like, you see that him and Justin Fields are spending a lot of time together. Away from the house hall. <laughs> makes it sound At house like hall. They train. They do their stretching together. <laughs> I just It just feels notable, doesn't it? Like when you look at Allen Robinson's drop in production, they shave each other's balls. What that he doesn't spend enough time with them? Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, what the hell happened to the defense? Seven straight scoring drives, couldn't get a stop. Can I play devil's advocate? They missed Eddie Jackson yesterday. Yeah. Lost him on the second play from scrimmage. They missed him. I'm sorry if you're an Eddie Jackson hater. He's not as bad as you probably think he is, but. They missed him against the 49ers as that game played out. Hey, look, two things can be true at the same time. He can be struggling in the tackling department and needs to get a lot better in that area and also still be good as a covered safety. And I feel like how many post-game episodes have we done over the years where we talk about this, where the idea of that's so bears. Okay. So for, for the arrival, I would say this is like the arrival of Justin Fields in this game. He kind of backed up everything we thought he can be. And that's what you want him to look like as a rookie. He can still get a lot better. The whole offense should get better in the future. We're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's what it should look like for a first-round pick at, at the quarterback position. So for that to all happen and the defense to just suddenly suck, that's so bears. <laughs> and, then, and then if you're going to pinpoint the play where Justin Fields arrives, it's fourth and one, okay? 
Chris Tabor makes the right call to go for it. First, hold on. Let me interject. The immediate decision. Yes. To, there, there was no hesitation. There was no delay of game. There was no timeout called. No. Immediate decision. You're going for it fourth to one. Sorry. Go ahead. That being said, still seemed like the play call got in a little late. It was a play call that did not work whatsoever. The quick flat route completely covered and comes up on the up the field to uh, stop the boot. Justin almost falls down because the guy was in his face so quickly. Essentially, I don't want to say he did everything by himself because credit Jason Peters and Darnell Mooney on the backside for making blocks on a situation that was completely ad-libbed where they were not supposed to be blocking over there. Um, so, But he makes four or five guys miss, gets a couple key blocks. Jason Peters killed a guy. Crowd's going wild. Bears get the momentum back. And uh, Carlos Santos. But Carlos gets out there and misses it. What's Cairo would have made Cairo would have made it, but Carlos misses it. What you're saying? That's so Bears. That's so Bears. Go Bears! He becomes the first Bears quarterback to run for more than 100 yards in a game since Bobby Douglas back in 1973. You don't want your quarterback compared to Bobby Douglas too much, but uh, but Justin Fields got after it and, and running for 100 uh, 103 yards really uh, had the 49ers defense. On its heels, we saw some more play action. We saw more bootleg. We saw him throwing on the move, uh, and and I think it looked good. Now, the 49ers did a nice job at taking away some of the deep stuff, uh, but he hit the tight ends on crossers. Jesse James, we, we knew he could be effective as a receiver based on what he did in the, with the Steelers playing with Ben Roethlisberger. The Bears, I think they're 23rd against the run now, you know, and, and – said it on your show that the deepest part of this roster and probably the best part of this roster is the defensive line. That was just terrible yesterday. Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, Angelo Blackson, uh, Mario Edwards Jr. I mean, they got wrecked. I mean, the, the Bears are 23rd in the NFL or going into the Sunday night game between the Vikings and, and Dallas Cowboys. The Bears ranked 23rd in the league against the run. Uh, when you've got an offense that is, you know, taking baby steps, when you're, tw- if you're 23rd in the run, you get, you got no chance. Go Bears! Debo Samuel for 81 yard speed screen on third down. And that flipped the game and boom. Next thing you know, now we're in a hole. We're three and five with no answers. How many times did we try to go deep again today? And we're down in a red zone or even close to it. Why, my God, don't you try to score a touchdown? This is game after game. I'm telling you what, folks. I have I've been around for a while. This this coaching this coaching staff this this coaching staff is beyond belief. The stupidity that they show offensively and now defensively. A two and four team comes in here and takes us apart. When we were we had a chance, we were winning the game, and we had the ball for over 25 minutes, almost halfway through the third quarter, and we still, do we still, still not try to score a touchdown, not go deep? My God, what are these people thinking about? Bears are three and five. Hampo, defensive player of the game. Well, let's give it to you, uh, Mr. Carson, again. Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson uh, showed amazing 
perseverance running uh, Samuel down. And, Great and, effort. And, and, and hey, they wouldn't have, you know, a, a fait accompli that they were going to score. I mean, it took them to third down. But all that being said, he had uh, five solo tackles, a couple of assists, and one pass defense. But the bad news is we didn't get any pressure at all all day. Zero sacks. I don't even think Garoppolo got hit. Go Bears! Bears fans are genuinely excited about Justin Fields. And watching that run yesterday and then seeing the uh, reaction from the fan base is like, oh, my God, you know, we got our guy. So I think there's a belief out there that he is the guy. But while he's growing and maturing, you know, the coaching staff, the general managers, they're, they're going to be taking the hits left and right because they need to win in order to keep their jobs. The one thing I will say, and I've been saying it here in New York for years, I mean, if you start over with another coach and another GM, then you are de- definitely stunting the growth of the young quarterback. I'm just telling you, I've seen it here in New York now take hold at least three, four different times oh over the last God. 10 years. I think the fans and the noise that is made around the coaching staff and the general manager will ultimately decide their fate. Well, there's noise, but then there's also the facts about how little Matt Nagy's offense has scored and produced passing yards, no matter who's been the quarterback here. And there is uh, there is what your eye test then tells you about yesterday when Matt Nagy's not there and he's not on the headset. And Justin Fields has talked about how Bill Lazor is very calm on the headset. Um, so, it, look, there's, there's a lot to be thought about with Matt Nagy. Wow, that was awesome, Dan. Well, it was a little bit negative, but I mean, after that week, how could you expect it not to be? I guess exactly. It was. I I think maybe critiquing myself a little bit too much. Kevin Fishbane in there early on. He's his energy was so low. It there. was. I was wondering that too. And what he said was interesting, but it, it, he didn't wasn't using his broadcaster's voice if he has one. <laughs> yeah, he was. I was like, God, this segment's running long with Fishbane. <laughs> But uh, interestingly, if you, you were getting, by me, the way, excuse me for interrupting. Sure, uh, you were getting compliments in the chat room with your, your media cuts. So uh, nobody was bored. Well, thank you for everyone that wasn't bored. I just wanted to say, if you would have asked me in a trivia sense, Dan, who was the last Bears quarterback to rush for 100 yards? I would not have said Bobby Douglas. I honestly thought the answer was Cade McNown. Really? And I looked up the game just to, I was like, didn't he get 100 yards on opening day? And I looked it up, 2000, September the 3rd, 2000, Chicago at Minnesota, and Cade McNown had 10 carries for 87 yards and one touchdown. Oh, he only wow. had 87. But I knew he was close to 100. That would have been my answer, honestly. Wow. I, I, I don't remember that game. Vaguely, vaguely, but I, I, I would not have guessed that. I would have definitely. Listen to Cade's arm that day, 27 of 41, 290, two touchdowns, no picks. You have that game? Yes. Oh, I need a copy of that. I'll send. I can get it to By you. By the way, 27 of 41 for 290 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked twice. And uh, again, he ran the ball 10 times for 87 yards. By the way, I want to apologize to you. I forgot it was your fucking birthday this weekend. So can you have another birthday next week? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, 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 Again, this is ominous, but it's true. Like I said, my dad died at 41. My sister died at 41. So I've just like... This has just been like ominous to me, like for so long. And now I'm 41. I just hope to make it to 42. That's why you need another birthday next week. Yeah, I need another one next year. And then I say that I got the monkey off my back. I feel like Steve Young before he won the Super Bowl. But the, even worse, because of 
the power being out, I've got to buy this fucking game from somebody. <laughs> but I, yeah. I've got two two contacts, one ironically in West Virginia and one ironically near you in the Chicagoland area. And that guy was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I had surgery recently. I was like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> that, was, that was weird. The guy from West Virginia, just like I supposed to have known that, I guess. <laughs> and he's like, but he just is like, no, I'm not going to help you. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you anyway. I hope you're better. I hope you get better. And then the guy from West Virginia was like, yeah, just PayPal me 17 bucks. I'll send it to you tomorrow. So hopefully I get it. I hope so too. I got my. Because I would hate to have all these games all except that one. By the way, you're getting a lot of birthday wishes in the chat room. So. Well, thank thank everybody. Is Tooch not here tonight? Tooch is not here. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I told Tooch, hey, Tooch, why don't you take the, the night off? Because we're only going to go 90 minutes. And um, then also for the 16th, if you could plan on co-hosting the show with Dan, because I don't think I'm going to be here the 16th. My wife has said, we need to get away for a long weekend. What can I do? And I go, oh, the bye week. And so we'll be traveling that day, and I'm not sure I'll make it in time. Beth Bullard says, happy birthday. King Pookie Nation says, happy birthday. The Factor says, happy birthday. Tony Brown says, happy. Man, you're getting a lot of birthday wishes. I sincerely appreciate all of them. PJ, happy birthday. And PJ also wants to thank you for uh, the work that you put into those media bites, as does Laz, as does me. Uh, you do a great job with those. You tell well, a I story. Appreciate it. Yeah, I try to. I try to, like, you know, encompass what everyone is saying. Because mm -hmm. most stations have the same, you know, narratives. Right. But I just try to represent. I don't want to use the same voices every week, you know. Mm -hmm. I really want to use. Uh, I just didn't have enough time to incorporate it. And they're on Fridays. They had Dan Patrick back on ESPN doing a hit with, I think, maybe Waddle and Seven, maybe Carmen but, and Yurko. But I, I, it was Friday, though, so it's previewing the game. And then Cutler does his on Friday. So I'd like to have them on there more, but their shit's dated by the time. Yeah. You know, and uh, Wani's on Tuesdays. So, oh, may, wow. and I know I like to get it to you on Monday night if I can, so you have time to, to use graphics if you need to. Right. But I'd like to get Wanstead on there with us too, but he just he doesn't appear until Tuesday evening, though. Well, we'll we'll probably do some shows uh different days of the week as the season moves on or into 2022 and stuff. We're not always locked into Tuesday. So we'll we'll get some stuff from these representatives. And I would love, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start uh I got a little time coming up after I get back from Dubai. Uh and I'm going to start working on trying to get Wanstad and some of these other guys uh, to the show because I know how much you would love to talk for a half hour yeah. or so with them. Money is my wheelhouse, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I watched the Ditka era too. Sure. Uh, but from, you know, the basically from like 87 to the end, I didn't get to see it from the beginning until later. But Wani, uh, man, that's, that's my coming of age kind of thing. Like he took over in 93 and I was about to turn 13. So like I said, that's my fandom, man. Like where you're the most obsessed. Cause that's all you got is school and football, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's no other worries in life other than, you know, trying to get your test done or whatever to appease your parents. But I'm saying you don't have to worry about work and, and bills and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. 
Hey, one of the topics I have for us to talk about is Ryan Pace's future. Yeah, I think it's like 95 to 99% that Matt Nagy, this is his last season. Uh, and the only way he's going to make it through the bye now, though, uh, it probably, probably, you know, the Bears have this history of not firing coaches midseason and so forth. Now, if they lose on national TV against the Steelers in some horrendous way, I think George McCaskey is close to this point where he would say, Ryan, I, I'm there. There is no fucking way I'm going to even entertain the thought that you'll be the GM in 2022 if you are still employing Matt Nagy after that 40 point loss to the Steelers on Monday Night Football. Oh, the gosh. franchise <laughs> that I fucking admire, and I wish my franchise. Th- this is what McCaskey has said. He admires the Steelers and the fact that they've only had three GMs, three coaches in their fucking career in their in their lifetime. Uh, not, I don't think that's accurate, but close to that. And you know, McCaskey admires that he doesn't want to get embarrassed on national TV by the Steelers. But if it happens, then Nagy will be gone the following day. Now, it probably won't happen, and Nagy will be the coach for the rest of the season. But my point is this. What is Ryan Pace's future? Let's take into account, because I, I, I want him gone, but Adam Johns wrote a really good article at The Athletic today, and he pointed out that there are uh, three other general managers who have losing records, or two out of the three have had losing records, and they, but they didn't start winning until the last couple of years. Tom Telesco with the Chargers. Hired in 2013. That's a Super Bowl-ready team right now. Steve Kemp with the Cardinals. Hired in 2013. That's a team that is Super Bowl competitive. Jason Light with the Bucks. He was hired the year before uh, Ryan Pace. And he has lost, during that tenure, he has lost 18 more games than the Bears, Ryan Pace. and he has a, But he has a Super Bowl and he's contending for a second. And so Ryan Pace, who is 45 and 59, do you give him the chance? Like Matt ownership gave Telesco, Kim, and Light to hire their third coach and to fix the situation. Telesco has gone through three coaches. Stephen Kim over at the Cardinals has gone through three. Jason Light with the Bucks has gone through three. So do you give Pace an opportunity now that he has hopefully landed that real franchise uh, uh, quarterback, and you've got uh, some good assets at other positions that you can build around, like Roquan Smith, like David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, hopefully these two tackles, Larry Borum and and, and uh, uh, Tevin Jenkins work out. Do you give him a chance to clear up this mess just like these other ownership teams have given Telesco came in light? What do you think? I think you made a really good argument, uh, a, a tremendous argument to keep him based upon those other scenarios. But I can't speak to the the pressures that those GMs had because I wasn't following whether it was their former players or their fans or their local media. It just feels like Nagy and Pace are under more pressure than they were. But maybe I'm saying that ignorantly. No, I, can't I, prove I think that. that's true. I, I mean, I think those guys are under pressure, but... McCaskey basically answered the question, that question, you know, what do you need to see? And he said progress. Now, the fact that the injury to Andy Dalton changed all that, 
are they going to factor that in or are they going to say, no, we set progress and we promised it to our season ticket holders. That's who they are beholden to. That's like their shareholders. If you were making me put my money on the line right now, mm -hmm. my gut feeling tells me that some way, somehow pace survives, whether that's GM or not, maybe Ted Phillips leaves to just completely work on the stadium in Arlington Heights or that deal. Maybe pace does that. Mm. I could see uh, Teddy or Ted Phillips going to work on the Arlington Heights stadium deal and they move pace up to his position and hire a new general manager. Or, or like I said, Ted stays in place and pace leaves to work on that. I think he'll hang around the organization somehow and could honestly just be the other, uh, the general manager job. They seem to really like him personally. The, and we funny. do know that the bears, you know, for whatever you think uh, negatively about the McCaskies, they've kept Ted Phillips around since 1984 because they like him yeah. and he helps make them money. So I think that they would do the same if Pace was making them money. They love stability. And they've only been forced to fire coaches and GMs in the past because their shareholders, also known as season ticket holders and the alumni and other people like very important people to the Bears, were hearing it from them and saying, okay, we got we got to fire Trustman. Okay, we got to fire Fox. And so that's that that's the only thing that motivates them. But they want to be like the Steelers and have that kind of stability. And it's funny that you were saying that your scenario about pace moving up the ladder, because at the very same time I put up Beth Bullard's comment here, she says that David Kaplan today said that Pace thinks he's going to, that he thinks Pace is going to be moved to the president of football operations and that another GM and coach are hired. So that is an interesting solution. So if you tell Ted Phillips, just work on the Arlington parts deal. Don't worry about anything, you know, uh, that you normally do. Ryan is going to handle that. We've been training Ryan for this. He was ahead of the $100 million makeover at, at Hallis Hall. So, and, and in fact, given that he did that, given that Ryan Pace was in charge of the $100 million Hallis Hall thing, maybe you, maybe you just tell Ted Phillips, Ted, you're, dude, you're in your mid-60s. What the fuck are you doing? Go, go, go fuck some bitches down in Bangkok or something. <laughs> go sleep with a lady boy in Thailand. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> Sorry. Not uh, there's anything wrong with lady boys. <laughs> it's time. We've been grooming Ryan for this. We, we love Ryan like a son. And you're like the old uncle that won't leave. <laughs> I could see that scenario happening or Pace just staying. But I do think, I, I mean, maybe it's just my heart hoping. I do think this is the end of the line for Nagy. I do. I do too. I'm starting to feel that. There's, there's no, I don't, I can't see a scenario where he's going to win this job. Now, if they win seven out of the last nine and then they're 10 and seven and they get into the playoffs, what are you going to do? Are you going to do another Lovey Smith? They could be nine and eight and make the playoffs hypothetically if he wins a game and gets to the second round maybe that saves his job but the way this defense is playing in the last two weeks i mean it's all up to fields and i don't know if field is ready for that to be all that hoisted on his shoulders yet so i hope that they can beat pittsburgh selfishly because i'll be there but i just i wouldn't be surprised if they're three and six going into the bye and then what you got coming up? You got Green Bay again. You got the Cardinals who are having a phenomenal year. 
You've got Minnesota twice. That could go either way. You know, they got the Ravens, the game Heidi's going to be at. I mean, you still got some games on the schedule that look daunting, to say the least. Yes, it's very, very true. It's very true. And and the thing that I'm worried about is this freaking explosion. I did a highlight reel for uh, the Bear Debate show that I, I had fun doing. It, it technically is it's very cheesy, but it's basically all of these explosive plays, and I, and I did bombs on the field. It's, it's sort of like that scene in the Batman movie at Heinz Stadium where – Heinz Ward is playing a, a on a fictitious football team and he's being he's running with the ball and behind him the field is blowing up. I was going for that effect because these explosive plays that the Niners did on the D, on the Bears defense that that had to be close to a historic record of more plays of over 10 yards rushing and over 15 yards passing the ball in the air kind of passing. And so um I, I, having witnessed that and then knowing the injuries and then knowing, you know, that the age of the roster, I, I think that we're in for more fucking defensive disasters. It, it's, it could potentially be the Mel Tucker type type Bears defense. Yeah. I, don't I don't want to tug on my own cock when I say this, but I said the week when they lost to Green Bay, when Rodgers came out and said he owns us and all that, I was like, either one or two things are going to happen here. This will be a rallying point where they suddenly come together as a team and put together like this, you know, phenomenal year, and that'll be the turning point. Right. Or it was, or it's going to go the other way, and suddenly they just fall off. I felt that. I said that, and now they're zero and three, or they lost three in a row. I, I, I should say, and uh, two after the 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 Aaron Rodgers shit. Mm-hmm. It just feels like they've quit yeah. on this coaching staff. It really does. And Jalen Johnson has been terrible since he posted the thing online saying he got one minute late, one minute late. <laughs> and he's been terrible. And I I didn't have any uh, confidence in Vildor coming into the season. I tried to work my way up to – I mean, I was hopeful. Mm-hmm. And uh, Duke Shelley's kind of similar. You know, like both of those guys are average at best. And you at got best. your best corner playing down. And both of our safeties have played like shit. Yep. Like, at this point, I would just let uh, DHC start the rest of the year. Absolutely. If you saw Bear Truth with uh, Danny Shaman last night, he had four or five uh, replays of DHC playing the safety position where he explained why this guy needs the opportunity to be Eddie Jackson's wingman. This guy he's a free agent, too, I think. That's right. And so that's another thing. Now, he's the kind of free agent who is not going to make uh, – $10 million, it's going to be closer to $5 million, but that's an investment you got to make unless you're going to pick up a safety somewhere else. And I'm tired of the Bears playing this fucking rent-to-safety thing. You yes. know, they've got to find two safeties that they can have back there for the next five to seven years, you know? A, a combo, a Batman and Robin, a, a, a ham and eggs, whatever the fucking duo is Sean called. Sean Gale and Mark Carrier. Yes. The combo uh, yes. That, that we're together for a long time. Gary Fensick. Yep. I was back there forever. Mm-hmm. Gary Fensick and Dave Dewerson. Right. And before him, uh, Doug Plank, I think it was there, his partner for maybe three, four or five years. Yeah. Right. Or Todd Bell and Gary Fensick. Todd Bell and Gary Fensick. That's very true. So, uh, you know, and I think that one of the things about Ryan Pace that I question is I understand 
you know, putting pressure on the quarterback and creating hurries and creating pressures and getting sacks and so forth. That's a really good philosophy. But is that really sustainable nowadays when the quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball so quickly that a guy like Khalil Mack, you know, if you line up at line him up at that nine position wide out uh, on the tackles outside shoulder you know by the time he gets anywhere near the quarterback that ball is already gone that's the nfl of today so isn't it more important to get defenders in the backfield that can cover fucking anyone and anything at any time i almost think that maybe that's a better approach to creating a, a terrorizing defense than pass rushers who just are always going to be hamstrung by the fact that the scheme by the offense is get rid of the ball before the guy gets anywhere near you. I agree with that assessment. Uh, and it, it also hurts Khalil when he's playing that when he first got here, you know, when he was playing so well, Akeem Hicks was dominant. And since 2019, Akeem has been hurt. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm not trying to say he's washed up. And I know he would be appalled by what I'm saying, and I don't mean it. Uh, malicious toward him at all, but he is a little bit older. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that he's done, but it's just to say that he's a little bit older, so he's probably lost a little bit of the ferocity or the the quickness. And uh, I'm not, I shouldn't say ferocity. He could still be a mean fuck if he's in there, but I, I'm just saying he's probably lost a step from where he was three years ago. Of course. And you put the fact that he, he's hurt all the time now too, which again, I don't mean that in a denigrating way. He's given his body force, exactly. which I appreciate. But I'm just saying, unfortunately, for a myriad of reasons, Akeem X has not been the same player, not questioning his desire. Mm-hmm. But his, his body's been failing a, a little bit. So that, that that hurts Quinn and Mac too, because they had this guy up front that was creating all this havoc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now they're not getting any pressure really. And then Nichols was doing well last year. And it's like he's not really showing up. And Eddie Goldman, like I said, he hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're not getting any pressure with, a, you know, a, a four-man rush. Right. Exactly. And the other thing about my philosophy of being more dependent on defensive backs is create the pass rush up the middle like the Rams do. Aaron Donald, if, if I know you don't find Aaron Donald's at fucking Target, you know, <laughs> those guys are hard to find. And that's why I literally cried when fucking Aaron Donald was picked one pick before the Bears. I, I was like, trade up and get him. Don't fucking risk it. And lo and behold, they lose Aaron Donald. But that's the quickest and way. It would have to- been okay if we'd have kept Kyle Fuller. Because at least we said, well, we've got a corner. We've had his whole career, but we let him go. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing about uh, Fuller is that you heard that he was on the trade block today. There were a lot of calls being made. The Denver was trying to unload him. So I, I don't know if if his if his play has deteriorated or what. But my point is, you know, the quickest way to a, 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 the quarterback and to get sacks and to get pressures and to get hurries is the defensive tackles, those middle rushers. Those outside guys now are, are more important to contain the quarterback in that pocket. And then the Hicks and the Bilal Nichols and, and those guys are, are the ones, and the Aaron Donalds are the ones that you want getting in the face of the quarterback and disrupting the throw. That's what do you think about if the Bears going into 2023? If there's some or 2022, sorry, if there's some way that they they kept on, they held on to Mac and Quinn, which I I don't know, I could see Quinn taking a pay cut and staying. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Mac will do that because he's had some 
You know, he's he's worked with them a couple of times already on his contract. Neither, neither will make changes on their contract. They already have. Uh, Quinn just recently deferred more money. So, yeah, I think that that they've already milked that bone. But go ahead. If somehow they're still here, would it be better for the Bears to switch back to a 4-3 permanently? Mm. I mean, of course, you're going to be a nickel some, but just make Quinn and Mack defensive ends. Well, that depends then on who are your three linebackers. So you got Roquan. Who Gibson. You, uh, Gibson, he might be good as uh, your weak side linebacker. And 44. Uh, Alec Ogletree as uh, as your strong side linebacker. I don't know. That That's a good question for, you know, a a Danny Shim and, uh, or, or Greg, Greg Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah. So I'll approach that with with Danny. Switching to a four three might be good. I don't know if the Bears. Yeah, I have to give that some thought. It's an interesting concept. Uh, when the Bears move from the four three to third three four, I was like, "This is fucking sacrilege." I mean, I'm a Butkus fan. <laughs> the whole mystique of the middle linebacker. I mean, the Bears have had the the best middle linebackers of any team in NFL history, and now. If, you got two inside linebackers? That sounds so baseball. You know? <laughs> See, I thought that what they could have done at the time, coming off those terrible years uh, with Mel Tucker as the coordinator, I thought maybe just I had this vision of like the middle 90s when Pittsburgh was called Blitzburg. Mm-hmm. When they were playing that 3-4 with Greg Lloyd Loved and it. Kevin Green. And sure. It, they were hitting motherfuckers in the mouth, man, and creating all, all these quote-unquote exotic blitzes. I thought maybe that'll be us with the three, four, and we'll do some of that. And of course we don't, <laughs> we play a safe, we play safe all the time. We don't take any chances. Don't it's like, you know, the cliche, you have to play uh, the lottery to win. Yeah. We, it feels like the bears don't take any chances. It's they just want to be like in a little prevent. Let's, let's just try to hold them off. Bend but don't break. They don't try to play aggressively. Yeah. Well, getting back to this t- talk about uh, Ryan Pace, the other, the other, you know, I, I like to look at things from the pros and the negatives and so forth. So I made the case for bringing him back. Now let me make the case for not bringing him back. He's got to fucking start all over again. You got to rebuild this defense. I mean, Okay, Mac comes back for what? Two more years, tops. Quinn one tops. You know your two best two pass rushers. Eddie Jackson's probably gone after one. Oh, one more year. Hey, yes. So uh, out of out of the Bears defense, not next season, but in 2023, two seasons from now, who do you think is still with the Chicago Bears other than Roquan Smith? You gotta hope Roquan's one of those. But... Yeah, right. Jalen Johnson, Roquan. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> no, no. Maybe, maybe Nichols? Yeah, maybe. But he's his contract is up this year. And the way he's been playing this season, I saw a bunch of people in the chat room, you know, uh, bitching on Bilal Nichols. Rightfully so. He hasn't had any impact plays like he did last season. Right. That's true. <sighs> I think you got to fucking rebuild this defense. But here's the problem. The right thing to do in terms of prioritizing is to build around the quarterback. You got your fucking franchise quarterback. Don't do to him what you did with Jay Cutler. Whether you like Jay Cutler or not, that's beside the point. But don't don't give him an offensive line like you didn't give uh, 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 Jay Cutler. Then you, sh- you should be fired on the spot. 
Don't give him a number one receiver like you didn't give uh, Jay Cutler. You should be fired on the spot. So the, the needs, I mean, this team needs a complete fucking overhaul. I agree. The offensive line, man, it's the thing. I mean, okay, I, I don't want to switch topics, uh, but I'm going to throw a question. At you, man, man, real quickly, Matthew says, yeah, it, 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 you you rebuild around Santos. <laughs> Carlos Santos. <laughs> nice going, man. Well, do you think, it, I mean, because he's got to be in his last year, right? James Daniels. Mm -hmm. I mean, at this point, Daniel, you let Daniels walk, don't you think? I mean, he's done nothing. Well, I hate that, to say that. And he's then, been like, up and down. Sometimes he'll have really good games, and then sometimes he'll have a game like last Sunday. He was awful. Him White and Whitehair. Hair, Whitehair has played significantly worse. Yep. Uh, the best, I, dare I say, our best lineman this year has been Peters. <laughs> You're right. And he's thirty fucking nine. He you can't depend on him to be back next year. No, so maybe he, he throw, may not be back next they, week. <laughs> well, uh, dude, that that block he had on Sunday brought me out of my fucking chair. <laughs> me too, man. That was beautiful. Jesus, I was so I was like, oh, they're gonna throw a flag on that. <laughs> that I was, he just killed that Warner guy from San Francisco. Ooh, God, I loved it, man. No, I did too. But if you're gonna fix the line, you're probably gonna put uh, the the kid Larry. What's his last name? Borum. Uh, Borum. Yes. Maybe he's your left tackle. Maybe Jenkins is your left tackle. I don't know, but no, maybe yeah. they're your left and right tackles. Maybe, but and but and I like Mustafa fine, but it's not. Maybe he's too light. I don't know. And then the two guards yeah. have been underperforming as well. So if you listen to Ed and, and Hampton, uh, I don't want to steal their thunder like and say that this opinion is mine. I'm just listening to two legends. Mm -hmm. They say that all three of those guys couldn't start on another team. Anywhere else in the league. Well, now, which three guys are these? Our internal. Whitehair, really? Daniels, and Mustafer. They say that these guys are too light and they're terrible. They're not physical. Yeah. There you go. I, I mean, that's coming from Hampton and OB. So and I, I think I it's coming that from Juan true. Castillo, too, because that was the emphasis. That's why they drafted Borum and, and uh, Jenkins, bigger guys with a mean streak. And Whitehair. And Daniels are the kind of guys that I would go into a bar and say, Give, buy me a fucking drink. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. But, you know, they don't They don't have that bravado. And Sam Mustafer certainly doesn't. He's much more of the Notre Dame intellectual uh, Midwest, uh, let's go to Mackinac Island this weekend kind of guy. Um, so, yeah, they don't have the, the, what you want out of a Chicago Bears offensive line, guys that eat glass in between plays, and then uh, with their bloody tongues, uh, they, they they suck on your earlobe for a while, and then pancake you. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But um, no, I, I get your point, though. I mean, I could see, uh, you know, Covert sort of a a more of an intellectual guy. Yes, but, but he, he was still very tough. Though. Oh my gosh, yes. On, on the Mike North show, he shared some stories about how tough he was. Yeah, he a bad motherfucker right there. I don't know like much about Bortz. I never really heard Bortz talk. He was around the longest of those. Mm -hmm. And he looked like a guy when he took his helmet off that would fuck you up. Uh, and so did Becker <laughs> coming off the bench. Kurt, you know, Becker. Kurt Becker. Yes. Yeah, and, and you know how big fucking Van Horn was. Mm -hmm. Tom Thayer is another one that's really intelligent. Yes. And, and seems like True. a more of an intellectual guy, but obviously uh, could play tough too. And I only could bring those guys up because they were the obviously the best offensive line and we had them for a decade. 
and they stay together. We can't get a co- cohesive unit like that now. Right. I mean, because the game's changed a little bit with free agency and stuff, but we haven't had anybody worthy of keeping for 10 years on the offensive line since like James Big Cat Williams. Yep. Or Olin. Olin. Well, and here's another thing um, that really bugs me. Olin Cruz should be working at Hallis Hall. I don't know I, if it's in Juan Castillo's job or just, you know, uh, mind preparation, get these guys fired up to eat glass and, and block and stuff. He should – him and I can think of a, another half dozen Chicago – former Chicago Bears who should be employed by the Chicago Bears. But I would put I him at the top. I Singletary too. And I know people mock that, but – I don't think so. You, Mike Singletary cares about that fucking logo. Yep. He sure fucking does. And – He's he's gotten uh, the experience around the league. I don't see why he shouldn't. Now there there are stories that he won't come to the Chicago Bears unless he's named the uh, the the head coach. And I don't buy. It. I don't buy. That. Yeah. Or and if it's not that, then maybe he he won't settle for a position assignment like linebackers coach or something like why that. Why not be the Mike Singletary your linebackers coach? That would the the fan base would get hard hearing that. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't we? Yeah. I agree. And you have Crutes doing your offensive line. That's what Al Davis did for so many years. He brought old Raiders up. And and so you cared about the team that you worked on and that you worked for. It was it's even if you weren't a player, you felt like you were almost, you yep. know, because you'd you'd gone through this organization and it's them versus us. I don't think the Bears have ever done that. I can't think of anyone that they've hired on as a coach. Abe Gibran, I think, was the last player who became the head coach. And position coaches, there have been a couple, but no, at no major position. Ron Rivera. That, there you go. That's a good one. And what was his That's title? That's the only one I can think of. He was defensive coordinator for one season, right? It was a couple of years, wasn't it? Was it? I, I, I don't remember. I think he was there like 04, 5, and 6. Okay. And then Lovey kind of backdoor politicked him out of here. Yeah. The the story is is that Lovey was uh, didn't trust him and thought that maybe Ron was angling for his job, and so he brought in his own guy, Bob Babbage. There you go, that's the guy. And uh, Ron has gone on to greener pastures, and Lovey has not. You know, you were talking about the trade earlier. I'm just bouncing around since it's a smaller show. Uh, God, Denver gave Von Miller away for like a six pack of beer and a couple of sandwiches. They, it's it was like, like conditional draft picks. Yeah. And they're paying his salary. They're paying his salary and they're getting like two six round picks. Like, mm-hmm. shit, why didn't we trade for him? No shit. Campai is reminding us that Ditka, of course, played with the Bears. So was that coach? Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, I don't know. I forgot that one, but yeah. Um, well, I think we were focused more on the modern. Yeah, era. right. But uh, what were you just saying? Because because you were making a really good point. Um, Von, Von Miller got Von traded Miller. for nothing. Denver's picking up his contract, and they're getting two like six round picks. No, no, no. It's a second and a third. I'm pretty sure. I thought they said it was low round conditionals. Let me uh, look it up. Is the way quick. I read it from Adam Schefter, but maybe I fucked that up. If it's a second and a third, that's a great trade for Denver. Right. I thought it was two low round. I was like two six round picks and and they and they're paying a salary. What did they just like <laughs> they just wanted this guy gone? Uh let's see. It is a uh, 2022 second and third round picks uh to the Broncos. So yeah, I think that's a good trade for the Broncos. 
and they cut the Rams cut uh, Deshaun Jackson today. Yeah. yeah. So that's a guy on the mark. I'm not saying we should bring him in, but maybe if you can't, if you have a wide receivers that can't seem to get open. Right. Well, I, I, that's a whole nother story. We could spend an hour on that topic. And who else? Uh, Jalen Smith, who was dropped by the Cowboys, the Notre Dame linebacker, Bay. went to Green Bay. He was dropped today. So maybe his career is over. There's something wrong if he's been getting dropped twice. Two times in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's not good. That's not fucking good. Um, Why didn't the Bears try to move Dalton today? You can't tell me there aren't teams out there that wouldn't take Andy for maybe a fourth or fifth, but, I mean, at least you got something out of him. Yep. I'm, I'm being reminded that Henry Burris is on the staff now. Isn't he yeah. like an intern or something like that? I don't know, but Henry Burris played in like three games. He started one, I think, the finale in 02. And he was, at, of course, at a game I was at in Carolina in week 16 of 02. Did he play in that Ch game? When Chris Chandler got hurt. Okay. Uh, I just don't think that Burris uh, Burris played in like three or four games at best. So I right. mean, oh, that's a good that's a good point. But I'm just it's not like he played a long time with the Bears. But. Yeah, I'm talking about you know, like when Doug Plank was on the Hundred Proof Show, he brought it up: Fence Six, Singletary, uh, Hampton, on and on and on. He talked about so many guys from that era, the '80s and, and '90s Bears that sh he thought should be employed, and he, he even mentioned himself. Rightfully so, because uh, just listening to him talk that night, I was fired up and was ready to run through walls. Uh, he sounded like a great motivator. But, um, yeah, these uh, are, are you disappointed that there weren't any trades made by the Bears today? I didn't think anyone would take Robinson's salary, so I wasn't really expecting that. Yeah. Uh, but I still, I mean, you've got foals here. So in the event that, that you know our guy would get hurt mm -hmm. if fields would go down you you still have a competent backup who for i mean look he's not who you want to start but this dude's a great backup mm -hmm. i mean he's arguably the best backup ever uh so i i would have been okay with Foles as the number two and then you can move dalton like dallas needs a quarterback again he's been there before i i thought that was going to happen that he was going to move be moved to either new orleans or dallas yeah and, new orleans and winston got hurt right uh but dallas makes more sense than even new orleans because he knows that offense and with dak hurt and so forth it makes perfect sense i don't think that cooper rush guy is going to do that shit again what he did this past sunday you know that's that's an aberration that's that's the definition of a true backup quarterback they come in have a good game or two but then you leave him in for four or five games in the season no that, that that doesn't work out what was that fucking guy's name in the 70s that played one thanksgiving game for Staubach and then got the biggest fucking head in the world and wanted roger's job and eventually he got cut because he just kept starting shit with Staubach back behind it, the scenes was it danny white no 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 it was before danny uh it was like 73-ish, 74, but he, he excelled on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, I remember and, that. And become yeah. extremely arrogant. Yeah, 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 yeah. What the fuck is his name? He's had a, like a... Let me look this up. Hillbilly name. <laughs> 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 oh, I got it. Stephen Me. Stephen Me got it. Danny Hoganboom. No, no. Gary Hoganboom was in the 80s. Oh, sorry, Stephen. <laughs> I was so excited for you. Clint Longley. <laughs> That's him. 
That's not a hillbilly name, by the way. That's yeah, Clint Longley, I think, <laughs> started a fight with Staubach, too. Wow. Yeah, so this dude suddenly thought he was the shit because he had one good game. Yeah, here's the headline from NFL.com. Thanksgiving throwback, Clint Longley shocks the Redskins. Little-known quarterback, Clint Longley shocks the Redskins Thanksgiving Day. Uh, it ranks on the all-time Thanksgiving Day upsets. Clint Longley. Let's see if I can find the video. That'd be fun. Let's see that again. Yeah, so yeah, he'd become this arrogant fuck after that. Uh, it was 74, I 1974, guess. 1974, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And then uh, by 74. Six, he's in San Diego. Oops, go ahead. No, that's oh, here it is, real quick. Less than two years after the Thanksgiving Day heroics, Longley, under pressure from Danny White as the backup, left the Cowboys after he punched Staubach during training camp. <laughs> the infamous sucker punch occurred after a negative remark Longley made about Staubach to the Cowboy teammates. Staubach was putting on his shoulder pads on the last day of training camp when Longley hit him in the face without warning from behind causing his head to slam against a standing scale, requiring stitches to close the wound. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, this guy thought he was the fucking shit after that one game. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Let me get your picture out of here. I got highlights of it, uh, but they're shot off to of somebody's TV screen, so it's not the best quality. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, 1974. Fucking Clint Longley. It seems oh, like Jason Garrett had a game like that on Thanksgiving with Dallas, too. That sounds right. The uh, former, I mean, the current offensive coordinator. Or what team's they at? He was on national TV. Is he with the Giants, maybe? Yeah, I think you're right. Giants, exactly. Clint Longley is being uh, taken over to the sideline by the national media, and he's going to be interviewed now. We don't have any audio on this clip, <laughs> so <laughs> let's get rid of it. <laughs> Yeah, so the point is you always could have a backup that comes and lights up one game. Like you said, it doesn't mean – usually they're exposed if they get like three or four. You remember uh, 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 Matt Barkley? For us, had a couple of good games, and then the more he started, the longer, the worse it got. <laughs> That's right. I mean, that is what these backups do. They get their, their childhood dream out of the way and then back to reality. It's like they probably sold their soul to the devil. Come on, give me that one fucking game I've been dreaming about all day. <laughs> the only backups we've had that have typically been with the fuck have been Josh McCown and Mike Tomczak. That's the only Steve one. Walsh. Steve, Steve Walsh. Walsh. There you go. That, that's about it. That's sad. Particularly when you <laughs> think about how many backups we've had. Oh, God. <laughs> I guess you could count Jim Miller as a backup, and he did okay. And Shane Matthews did okay, too. Yep. yep. So, Matt is going to be around to the end of the season. Ryan Pace will probably uh, become uh, director of football operations. So, uh, we need to find the GM. Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I've kind of resolved myself to the fact that this is going to be a dismal season. I don't think, I don't think we're going to be a 500 team or over 500 team. Um, definitely five to six wins. It's, it's looking pretty bad. I don't care. Well, man. all we can hope for is that fields just continues to improve. Yep. And we get David Montgomery back and have a one-two punch with Herbert because it looks like uh, Williams is hurt again. Yep. Oh, God. And when uh, 
on Sunday when Herbert went down. I was oh. like, God, is Pierce active or is it null time? It was null time. <laughs> he got one carry, got like nine yards. So that wasn't yeah, I think too bad. He got, didn't it come back though because of a, a uh, penalty? You may be right. Poor guy. Yeah, I don't know if it was holding on us or it was something against San Francisco that maybe we accepted because it was an automatic first down. I think his run was eliminated though. Yeah. Off the top of my head, from what I recall at the bar, I'll look but, at uh, I'll look it up while you react to this PJ comments in the chat, which I know is going to piss you off. PJ says Orton was a good backup. No, that's true. That I'll, I'll grant you that because okay. Orton came in, and uh, I I didn't like Kyle as the starter because again he was checked down Orton like screen pass Kyle whatever you want to <laughs> however want to I'm not trying to be clever that's no. all he did <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't stand it. So when, like, with Re whether you liked Rex or not, Rex had the balls to go deep, and so did Jay. Maybe not to the best of the team's interest at times when he's picking on the one guy from Washington over and over and getting and throwing four picks. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, I like the fact that these guys were weren't afraid to throw the ball, and I felt like Orton was like so afraid to throw a pick when he was here. Do you remember seeing that NFL films clip where he is on the sideline? He goes, I don't care if I get 10 yards passing as long as we win. And he's laughing and slapping five with the guys. And I was like, man, I don't know how to feel about this is, you know, I, I agree with the sentiment as long as you win, but don't you have personal pride and want to get more than 10 yards passing? And yeah, he seemed happy to just be a, a facilitator hand the ball off, make the short pass. That was it. Yeah, it's like uh, what what I was criticizing the Bears not, defense, not the defense as the players, but the scheme mm -hmm. of just not being aggressive recently. That's the way Orton played the ball or played the game. At least in Chicago, he wasn't aggressive. But he goes to Denver after the trade and had a couple of games where he threw for like 350 right. in, in 09, but he found his way to the bench after that because he kept getting picked off. But he still had two, three, four games where he had three or four hundred yards passing because mm -hmm. Josh McDaniels was wanting to throw the ball, and uh, yeah, they started out six and zero oh that year mm. after the Cutler trade, and then I, they didn't even make the playoffs. Jesus, we certainly know what that's like here in <laughs> Chicago to start seven and one and not make it, seven and three and not make it. Only the Bears, it seems like, has these kind of storylines. It's for the true. most part. Well, you know, I, I, every every fan base can has their own sad story. I mean, you look at Buffalo, right, with the Super Bowls and stuff. I mean, that that's pretty tragic. The Vikings. The Browns, and they should know what it's like to lose, and then suddenly they're becoming arrogant fucks. All right, Clint Longley now. Yeah, you think those guys that said shit to us at Cl that Cleveland Stadium pro progressive uh, field inside the stadium and outside the stadium, you think they're talking shit now? <laughs> Yeah, they're four and four now and just lost to their rivals again. They're they are looking pretty bad. I heard interestingly on um I mean not that we were a Brown show, but uh, I think it was actually Carmen and Yurko that were having this discussion. They were saying that I guess uh Mayfield's contract is up. And they yeah, were like, right. There's no way I pay this fucking guy except maybe a little bit more than the league minimum. They they were both arguing that he is no better than Mitchell Trubisky. The same kind of player. Um, that's a good point. That's a good uh, comparison. That's a good, very good comp. I, I, I would agree with that. I, 
and by the way, well, Mitchell Trubisky was the center of a lot of trade talk today. He, yeah, I thought I saw he was that Washington be, was looking at him. Right. Um, it's going to be interesting with, to see what happens with Trubisky's career because he's going to get a starting opportunity next season. Do you think he's got any future in this league as a number one quarterback? I hope he does. And if for some reason Mayfield leaves, maybe he could go to Cleveland to be a hometown hero. Mm. I mean – I, right. I root for him. I'll root for him like as long as he's not playing in the NFC North. Like if he goes to Detroit, Minnesota, or Green Bay, I'm going to hate him. But at least while he's playing. Yeah, I hear uh, you. I'm the same Against way. us. But for the most, <laughs> I'll, I'll always wish him well. Like even though I didn't like Kyle Orton as, as the, our starter, like when he was in Denver, I wasn't rooting against him. You know, because he's not, he's not playing us every day. So like when Jay went to the Dolphins, I was rooting for Miami to win with Jay. He beat Tom Brady on a Monday night game. That's right. Yeah, so I don't wish anyone usually ill will when they leave us. I, I hated Julius Peppers when he went to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was hoping that yeah he would just die on the field. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. Not literally, but yeah, no, I just I hated that fuck. I'm so glad he's retired. <laughs> All these guys that have gone from the Bears to the Packers, you know, you got to wonder, man, can you take in a little less money and just go any fucking other place other than Green Bay? Don't you know how much we hate the fact that Adrian Amos is now with the Packers, that uh, Jim McMahon played with the Packers, that all of these former Bears. Mongo. Mongo. Who else? So there's, there's a couple of other names that I'm forgetting that are just like, why the fuck would you Ron, do that? Ron Cox went up there, won oh, a Super Bowl, and they came right. straight back to Chicago. <laughs> and was our starter on the 4-12-97 and team after winning it all with Green Bay in 96. That, that's a fucking dagger to the balls, man. <laughs> yeah, we had some receivers like, uh, God, what was the – Anthony Morgan. Mm-hmm. He was here when uh, Ditka was coach, and, of course, he went ran straight up to Green Bay. So, yeah. yeah, the only one we've ever taken from them, other than if you count Jimmy Graham, is Edgar Bennett. Really? Yeah, and Edgar Bennett's like a wide receivers coach with the Las Vegas. Like, what's he doing coaching wide receivers? Yeah, well, I think he wants to be a head coach because he's he's coach running backs, and I think – one maybe one other position and now a wide receiver. So he's he's just going through the gauntlet of saying, Hey, I've coached every position. Time to give me a head coaching job. So would you would you like to see somebody like Edgar Bennett coaching the being the head coach of the Chicago Bears? I don't know what his credentials are, truthfully. I know that as a player in Green Bay, he was highly successful against us. And as a player with Chicago, he was very, very awful. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> But maybe he was done. I, I, I don't know. I mean, all things equal. Like if if he's a good coach, then sure, whatever. I won't ha- hold that against him that he beat our ass for so long. Mm-hmm. PJ, but in PJ theory, has I would a, rather uh, not have a Packers connection. I totally um, agree with you. I in mean, theory, I would rather not have a Packers. It, if you're if you're telling me, all right, we're gonna give you a guy with the Packers connection, but don't worry, you're gonna win Super Bowls. Okay, fine, that's good. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Josh Sitton, PJ reminds us that. Oh, yeah, 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 that's correct. He, yeah. yeah, we got Sitton right before, what, the 16 season? Correcto. Uh, he was okay for us, too. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like suddenly we cut him. I guess it's the same thing happened in Green Bay because of money. Right. It, he, he's one of the guys that uh, started to piss off Ryan, uh, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers with the Packers organization. He was one of those first guys that they let go, and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you getting rid of my left guard? I need that guy. Right. <laughs> so, 
Uh, what do we got here? Another five minutes and then you got to hit the road? Yes, unfortunately. It's you, been uh, too quick of a show. You want to talk about your sex life? Because <laughs> no, I know there's not. news there. I know there's news there. I will tell you something that I watched that you've probably seen. How about that? No, I want to hear about her. Uh, it's the bottom of the ninth in game <laughs> six of the World Series. Okay, what do you got? <laughs> um, I watched a movie. I don't know if I loved it, but it was okay last night. That had a great cast. It had Marlon Brando, Robert Redford. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Jane Fonda and... Uh, Angie Dickinson and Robert Duvall. What the fuck is this movie? It's called The Chase. Uh, it's in this small hick town in Texas. And uh, you get all these long stories. Basically, everyone, it's a small town. Everyone knows everybody. And everyone's fucking somebody else behind their spouse's back. Mm -hmm. And Robert Redford busts out of jail. And you get everyone in town has their own motive to feel paranoid about that. And uh, it, it feels like a play more than anything else, but it's about a two hour and 15 minute movie. Brando is the sheriff mm -hmm. and he's actually sympathetic toward him uh, to Redford because he feels like he got a raw deal and basically only went to jail because he didn't have proper legal representation. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then it shows he's defending the black guy in town because of course they're, you know, besmirching him with prejudice. And this is 66, this movie, right? Uh, so the town thinks that he's sort of a, a traitor anyway. Mm -hmm. Like there's scenes where like they're these rich guys, just because they're wealthy, they actually beat Brando up. Hmm. Like he gets his ass beat several times. Like, and, and it looks really authentic. Like his eyes swollen shut. He's bleeding all, all over the place. Uh, they just think because their daddy's rich that they don't have to listen to law enforcement. And, uh, but yeah, it was called the chase. I thought that'd be something you would be like, Oh yeah, I've seen that. You know, I'm surprised that I have not heard of it. I probably have, but forgotten about it, but boy, oh boy, you're talking about an all-star cast. You're yes. talking about a, a renowned director, Arthur Penn. He did the classic Bonnie and Clyde movie. Uh, the screenplay is by Lillian Hellman, who has done some, I, I've never read any of her work, but she's done some movie or uh, so she's written some books that have gotten critical acclaim and also uh, wrote a couple of books that were uh, uh, made into movies and, and received good reviews and the cinematographer, every, every, every great cast. It must've been well budgeted. And I'm looking at the reviews. 89% of the cr critics gave it a positive review. I am shocked. That I never heard of this fucking movie. Yeah. Apparently it didn't do super well at the box office. Because I was reading on Brando's uh, Wikipedia page last night, they was talking about he he had become a star in the '50s, and then went through a slump throughout the '60s over and over and over. His pictures weren't doing well until The Godfather in '72 resurrected his career, mm. is what his Wikipedia says. So I guess the the movie didn't really find an audience. It's a little bit campy with the score and stuff isn't that good, but yeah, to at least watch it one time, I do recommend it. It's not in black and white or anything. I know 66 is kind of on the, I don't know if it was originally black and white and they colorized it later, but I saw it in color last night. No, so. Wikipedia says it was shot in Technicolor. So, um, okay. yeah, it, it's, uh, by that time, by the mid sixties, just about everything was in color by, I think, you know, cycle was one of the last few main release pictures. And that was 1961 that was released in black and white. And, and, uh, the studios were saying, yeah, 
people have black and white at home on their TVs. Let's give them color. So most of the movies were, were in color by the mid sixties. Um, I got one more thing for you. Please go ahead. Uh, I've never watched this one of these things. Everyone else was telling me, Oh dude, you got to watch, you got to watch the show. Got to watch the show. So Showtime is about to reboot Dexter. Uh, so I've started watching Dexter season one because I, for some reason, I just never watched it. I like the guy that plays Dexter because he was in Six Feet Under. Yes, yes, which I loved. Right, and I'm I'm like four episodes into the first season, and uh, there's some couple things about it that are a little bit campy, but for the most part, I think I'm gonna like it. Um, I love it, and season one is the best season. So I know you're gonna like it. It is fucking great. And I can't wait for this reboot. I actually think the premiere was this past weekend. Uh, no, no, it's Sunday coming up. Okay, Isaiah Robles. Showtime uh, is showing every episode this week in preparation for the launch of the new one on Sunday. Ah, Lass says that Dexter looks like Greg Olson. That's <laughs> true. I can see that a little bit. And by the way, please don't give us Greg Olson anymore. The Bears are 0-3 with him on the mic. <laughs> that is right. He, you texted me Fuck, that. Man. That is bad. Uh, Tony wants to know if you are into the Saw series. Those uh, I, I hated the one they tried to reboot. Uh, mm -hmm. The last one, I can't remember what it was called. Mm -hmm. Uh whatever it was outside of the original one i don't have a lot of time but i'll, I'll tell you uh, you might like this part aldo uh saw six was very political uh in the movie they they everyone that's held hostage you know and this one guy's got to go through all these traps and pick all night long who's gonna die him or the other person right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he was working his group worked for an insurance company and their job was to cancel people's premiums and their claims. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the jigsaw guy was saying, like, you've been choosing who lives and who dies for years, so that's what you're going to do tonight with your own fucking team. So at the very end of the movie, it's it's been out forever, so it doesn't matter. I'll give you the spoiler. The very end of the movie, the dude survives all this torture. He gets to the end. He's done everything they've asked of him. And throughout the movie, you see a kid, like a teenager and a mom. You don't know what, how they connect. And they appear and they find out that this guy canceled their father's fucking insurance claim and he died of cancer because of him. Mm. So the mom says, you know, he's begging, please let me go. And the mom says, you know, I forgive you and that's okay. And the boy is like, fuck you. I don't. And then fucking hits this button. And then like this toxic waste goes all over him or whatever. Holy shit. Fucking kills him. Yes. Yeah, so it's very political. I enjoyed that for what it was. That's my favorite of the Saw movies, like attacking someone in the insurance industry. Mm -hmm. But uh, hey, it's not the best. It's okay. Hey, but one, one more, one more. Uh, Showtime's it. about to launch a series on the 14th called Yellow Jackets, which I don't know if it's going to be great or anything. I saw the trailer. It's got two actresses in it that I like. One is Juliette Lewis, mm -hmm. whom was Natural Born Killers. Oh, yeah. She was in Cape, Cape, Fear. Cape Fear. She was in National Influence, Christmas Vacation, oh, Strange yeah. Days. Uh, and she's in it, and Christina Ricci, whom was like Wednesday in the early 90s, Adam's Family movies, but I, I liked her in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas as well. Mm -hmm. But it's got Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis in it. Uh, it's called Yellow Jackets. It's going to boot uh, or launch on the 14th. I saw so I'm a preview try to for it. It looked, uh, it looked pretty intriguing. Uh, there's a, a lot of good shit out there. I got to start catching up. So Stephen Mee wants to know, have you watched any of the Human Centipede movies? I've seen all three. I have all three on Blu-ray. He says number two is a work of art. Do you agree with that? 
Number two, if you buy the Blu-ray, it's in it's in color. Mm -hmm. uh, the original film, like if you saw it, was in black and white. I like the color version. And when all these people are shitting, all the duties hitting the camera in color, it's a lot better that way. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the first one, and my family, you know, they threw away the DVD. <laughs> and I, I was very very angry because i know it's upsetting but it's my fucking dvd hey the houston astros are now eliminated uh atlanta braves went seven to nothing they're jumping up and down. i'm gonna do play by play here they're jumping up and down they're going crazy here in houston it's the Is atlanta skip braves alive yeah, you should be doing this. <laughs> so how, how does it feel? I know you wanted Dusty to win. You're not necessarily a, a Nationals fan. In fact, you're not a Nationals fan, but you really wanted Dusty to win. I did. I wanted Dusty to win, and I don't like the Braves either. So many people, like I didn't hate the Braves when like Dale Murphy was there and they were losing 90 games a year. But by the time uh, that you know, you could set Greg Olson up in the opposing uh batter's box and Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox could throw in the opposite batter's box and they would call it a strike and they were winning every year and everybody started loving them. That, that really rubbed me the wrong way because they were getting all these bullshit calls. And, and yeah, so I hated them from the 90s on. Hmm. Well, they have won their first series in what? what is it? 30 years? Since 95, they beat Cleveland in 95. Wow. And I'm, I'm kind of happy for them, but I'm sad for Dusty. Frankly, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I am sad for Dusty. You know, another guy I hated was the alleged wife beater that used to be their manager, Bobby Cox. Really? There's stories that he would beat his wife? Yes. There were, uh, there, there were jokes for years. Anytime they lost, they'd be like, God, Bobby Cox's wife is the real loser tonight. Mm, man. when he goes home <laughs> oh that's yeah, i swear it's like it's not funny but that that's legit like things that people would say yeah he he allegedly beat the fucking shit out of his wife like it was a 1930s you know uh cinema like some kind of movie where like it was fashionable to beat your wife back in the day you know? jesus uh, putting her in line or some bullshit <laughs> George George says fuck Dusty must be a Cubs fan George come on I don't understand why the Cubs don't like I mean I just don't get it I mean like I said if it wasn't for a freakish fucking play he would have had you in the World Series in 03 right you know I, I'm I, I like the guy just given that he had well, how old is he he's like in his mid 72 early 70s and he's still in uh managing and doing a hell of a job he outmanaged Tony Larusa fucking out and manage them it doesn't matter what team he goes on it could be a team that won 30 games this year you give him two three years he'll have them in the championship series it's just he just can't win the big one i hate saying that like i wanted him to get that off of his back forever yep but like he can turn i mean the reds had been dreadful for like 15 years when they hired him yeah that is why and sure enough he won 97 games and then 90 games and then they forced him out and they haven't won anything since. And Cubs fans must be fucking irate right now because his last points out, two former Cubs had great series, Jock Peterson and uh, Jorge Solar. Is it Jorge or Jose? It's Jorge, I think. Uh, he smashed like two or three home runs. And, and the, the one that he hit tonight, 
as soon as he hit it, he started pounding his chest saying, fuck yeah, man. Because that ball, is it, it landed in Amarillo, Texas, man. It was <laughs> fucking tagged. And uh, I'm so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of – I'm kind of happy for any ex-Chicago player who wins somewhere else, unless it's with a hated team like Green Bay. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Dusty, I hope Dusty gets his before he he passes on. You think he's going to be back next season? I would. Dusty's not going to quit unless they make him. Yeah, it would be ridiculous. Dusty, like, is the the I he's the poster boy of perseverance. Mm-hmm. Like this dude, he he's not going to quit. Like whenever you hear him talk about all those other losses. He's like, yeah, it just hasn't been my turn yet. Wow. Steve, uh, Tony yeah, Moy says that uh, Sylvie on ESPN 1000 is saying that Dusty is still blaming Bartman. Now, he's got a happy face, so I don't know if that's true or not. But anybody that's blaming Bartman for that fucking collapse, they're crazy, man. They, the bear, I mean, the Bears, the Cubs, Bears, Cubs are synonymous. Uh, they just fucking blew that series. Yeah, well, Sylvie's one of those guys that hates him, though. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. And, I, you know, he just has his favorites like everybody else, you know. So I'm not going to say that he's wrong. The guy's overcome cancer. But mm-hmm. I just think he just doesn't like Dusty. So I, say, I think that's why he's saying that. Uh, how much Chicago, on that note, I, uh, real quickly, how I'm much sorry. Chicago radio do you listen to, like, in a week? I used to listen to it a lot more before, like, when I was married and money wasn't as, you know, like, Cause when my, I was with my wife, like we both made decent money, especially together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't have to work as much and I had a lot more free time. So especially right now, everything I do have time for is bears heavy. Right. So I don't listen to anything right now, unless it's bears. Basically when they start talking about something else, I just turn it. Well, get the hell, hell out of here and listen to some. Yeah, unfortunately podcast. I got to go to work. And then, like I said, next Monday I'll be at the, uh, the Bears game. Maybe I can meet the Gaines report if he's there. I don't know. Gaines is not going. John will be there. So uh, you want me to uh, tell you where John will be? John just – I don't think John wants to meet me. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I, I know you got to go, so I'll, I'll share the story. I, I'll, I'll be sensitive about it. Okay. All right. I love you. Take care. All right. Yeah, you be well, Alden. Thank right. you. And I, I appreciate everyone's kind words tonight. Thank you all. All right. Bye-bye. My man, Dan Aguirre, on his way to save lives. He's got that 911 job uh, in Virginia. So, Dan, God bless him. You know, he, he is so self conscious about, uh, you know, when people say things and, and um, you know, when whenever somebody behaves in a way that Dan immediately thinks, well, maybe that guy doesn't like me. And so he, t- he told me that he, you know, after we did, we were in Cleveland. And uh, we did uh, uh, the Bear football show. It was, I think Tyler was on that day. And John and, and, and Dan and myself. And Dan says, I don't think John Buffon likes me. And I go, why do you say that? Because I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, Tyler was so friendly. And he's complimenting my work and so forth. And John didn't say anything. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, John so intense he's he's like prepping and thinking about what he's going to say i don't think it had anything to do with you and then at the end of the show john said some really nice things about dan but it wasn't enough for dan he still thinks he still has this suspicion that john perhaps doesn't like him so i am going to ask john buffon to please meet up with dan aguire at pittsburgh because they're both going to be at the game together and for john to just punch dan square in the face (laughs) 
<laughs> you're saying you're saying you know I don't like you. Fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, here I am flying solo. I don't know what to say. If anybody's got anything in the chat room, I will respond to it. Uh, other than that, I will let you know that uh, tomorrow at 2 p.m. we've got Bar Down Hockey Talk. I don't know if if you are in the chat room and you like hockey, you really should be watching Bar Down Hockey. Uh, the Parisi brothers, Vinny and Joey. It is such a great job, and now they've brought in their cousin. It's like fam- a family affair. But this isn't just three family members bullshitting in front of a microphone. These guys really fucking know hockey. Frank Mueller is the cousin that's joined the the, the two, and so they they divide the show into three parts, like three periods of hockey, and they'll spend one period talking about the Blackhawks, lots of great Blackhawks talk, and then they'll talk about some of the other topics for the other two periods on what's going on in the NHL. And then tomorrow, um, before 55, we're going to have a great, great show. Last year, uh, John interviewed uh, all three of the members of a podcast team called Yinzers. They cover the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's three women. And two of the three are going to join John tomorrow uh, to help us with the preview of the Steelers. And these women know their football more than I know anything about life. (laughs) They are just outstanding reporters. And so it's going to be great uh, that we'll have them on Buffon 55. And so I think that'll be a great, uh, a great treat for everybody. And then what else? I'm just going to tell you what's going on tomorrow. Um, Let's see what Stephen Mee says. Stephen writes, I think they're both attracted to each other. <laughs> John Buffone. <laughs> John Buffone and Dan Aguirre, that there's sexual tensions. <laughs> Get out of here, Stephen, you troublemaker. <laughs> I'm going to read the rest of that. PJ says, how would you feel about Todd Bowles as our head coach? I would be excited about that. Because Todd is going to continue the tradition of building up a great Chicago Bears defense. But right now, follow my thinking here, PJ, who asked the question. Right now, I think you got to build around Justin Fields. You got to get him all the weapons first and foremost. You built a, and particularly the offensive line to protect this guy to make sure that he's going to play the next 10 to 15 years with the Chicago Bears. So give him the protection and then start to give him some weapons, know what his style is, you know, speed or whatever the weapons are that and get those weapons to him. And then you've got to pay attention to the defense. Yeah, you do, you're doing both simultaneously, but for years you know, like Ryan Pace, he's spending more money on defense than he is on offense. He's been doing that for years. I think that's got to change now. So uh, so the reason I like Todd Bowles is because he is a great thinker of defense. And so he can, he as a head coach, he could work with his defensive coordinator to make up for the talent they probably won't have for the next three to five years. And so we can at least have a respectable defense because of the great minds behind it. So that's my thinking. You need to invest in talent for the offense to protect your quarterback and to give him scoring weapons. And then you need to you need great coaching to overcome the lack of talent you probably will have on defense unless you you know really luck out with mid-round draft picks and uh, undrafted free agents and low-cost uh uh, 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 undrafted free agents and low cost free agents that you pick up veteran free agents. Um, Steven asked about Brian uh, DeBall or Kellen Moore. 
I got to tell you, um, everyone is so high on Brian, the Buffalo uh, Bills offensive coordinator. That how can you say no to him? While Kellen, it seems to me, is is been a little bit hot and cold. It seems like with Kellen, when there have been injuries to the team, that that offense doesn't doesn't work as well as you would hope that it w- would be. So I I, I think long, long answer short is Brian would I think is the most NFL ready of those two guys. But I could be totally talked out of that because I haven't done a deep study into those two candidates. But it, it man, it, it it is weird to me how many. Chicago Bears fans keep up bring keep up bringing up the name of Brian DeBall uh, as the next head coach. So I'm going to start spending a little bit more time looking into these head coaching candidates and general manager candidates. Like I, I thought it was an interesting topic about Ryan Pace and maybe we should give him another chance to to rebuild. We all know Greg Gabriel said it on Monday. We all know that uh, John Fox was not his hire. It was Ernie Arcosi. And so then he brings in Matt Nagy. We were all excited about Matt Nagy that first year, you know, but unfortunately Nagy has let down pace. He's let down the, his players. He's let down the city of Chicago. So does should he get a, another chance to bring in a coach? All of these guys did. Tom Telesco, Steve Kim, Jason Light, all of them brought in multiple coaches, more than two. And Telesco, 64 and 71, was hired in 2013. The Chargers stuck with him. They have a potential Super Bowl team that could be winning Super Bowls in the next two, three years, maybe even this year. Steve uh, Kime with the Cardinals, 72 and 62. He's got a winning record in 2013, but they've st- stuck with him through some bad years. And again, this list is uh, courtesy of the column written by Adam Johns in The Athletic, and, of course, Jason Light. And I saw some people in the chat room say, yeah, but, you know, Tom Brady, he got Tom. Yeah, he got Tom Brady. Tom Brady was entertaining coming to the Bears and pasted and land them. So I don't know. I, I'm a little bit torn on the whole pace thing. If I had to make a decision, I would blow it up and start all over uh, because I think there's some really good GM candidates out there. And if we continue to lose games, some of our shows are going to be dedicated to some of uh, to who those candidates are um, so that we can get to know them and we could all talk in the chat room and as a family, as a barroom family about who could potentially be the next general manager of the Chicago Bears. I love speculating on that. Last says, would love to ask George and Ted about their presser last year when they said, Matt and Ryan are our football guys. Come on. I do. Last though, I do believe that they are. I think that George and Ted stay out of all football decisions. I mean, I I just, I cannot see Ted calling them and saying, yeah, you need to, you need to put Justin Fields in, into the game. I don't see that. I think Ryan Pace did. I think Ryan Pace told Matt Nagy, you know, uh, Bill Lazor. He told everybody that <laughs> Justin Fields is ready, <laughs> and I think he's ready too. So you better make that move. And Matt Nagy didn't want to make that new move because he knew that Fields was going to have some growing pains, there were going to be some losses, and it was going to cost him his job. 
I think that's as simple as that. PJ says Alex Smith made Nagy. Yeah. Oh, he told Stephen me that. Are you guys having it out in the chat room? Damn, there's a fight in the chat room. All right. I'm tired, man. Long day. If you have not had a chance to look uh, at the bear debate, please take a look at that. I'm really proud of the current episode that we uh, did live at 6 p.m. Central today. It's on the Barroom Network. It should also be available in audio podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Those guys brought it. Uh, Tyler Ellis and John Buffon, they were debating. And there were a few questions, you know, I try to find questions where I think that they might debate, and I, I compose the questions in that way. And there's some questions, of course, you know, <laughs> that they're not going to debate on. They both think that Nagy should go. So, But they still offered really good insight. And uh, if I do say so myself, if you get a chance to watch the video version of it, I produced the hell out of that show. I put spe- special effects and shit like that. So uh, take a look at it if you can. Um, last is thanks. Aldo, for your work, nice job. I appreciate it. Man, we got a lot of good people here at the Barroom Network, a lot of committed people who really love doing this. Um, And um, I'm very, very lucky to be associated with so many people who do such a great job. And I think with that, that's a good way to end this episode of Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. Remember to, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, hit that bell hit the thumbs up, do all that stuff that's supposed to be good for us. I don't really pay much attention to that shit. And if you can buy a t-shirt or something, go over to deepdishtees.com and uh, take a look around there. Forward slash barroom if you want to go straight to our barroom, but they've got some cool other stuff there at Deep Dish Tees. All right, with that, I will say... I've failed in a lot of different ways. We know.